Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. If you can avoid using other investors' money, certainly do your best to do so, even though I know that there are definitely positions where that is 100% valuable. But if you can avoid doing any of those, then you taking away some major risks if the market does fall out again. It's that time of year again, tax season. Dun, dun, dun. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return. And there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of are you optimizing for the tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide. And I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean, this is the ultimate rental property tax guide. And you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes get that ultimate rental property tax guide best ever listeners how you doing welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show i'm joe fairless this is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast we only talk about the best advice ever we don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today zach beach how you doing zach i am excellent joe thanks for having me on i look forward to bringing your audience some value and keeping everything moving forward hopefully i got some really great advice for you guys Oh, well, you set the bar so high. Well, I appreciate that. I normally like to set the bar really low and then just kind of go right underneath the bar or maybe right over it. But I love it. All right. The bar is high. You're going to bring a lot of value. Looking forward to this. A little bit about Zach. He completed over 100 deals in under three years, buying and selling properties without using his own cash credit or investor's money based in Newport, Rhode Island. 
With that being said, Zach, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, I'd love to. So just to kind of bring some big picture to that as well, when I first joined real estate, I mean, I had no experience at all. I actually joined my family's business where we actually buy and sell properties locally in Southern New England, but we also coach and teach people how to do exactly what we do around the country as well. So we immerse ourselves in other people's business and help them grow and scale that. But yeah, when I started, when I was 25, I knew absolutely nothing. I didn't come from a family that had real estate, although I didn't end up marrying into a family that was heavily involved in real estate. And that's kind of how I got involved. And then, yeah, looking three years ahead, I've done with, of course, with all the credit to my team and the associates that I work with, well over 100 deals now in less than three years. I'll be full-time real estate in April of this year. Wow. Well, congratulations on that. That's a big milestone for sure for being full-time. And when you say you've completed over 100 deals in under three years, buying and selling properties without using your own cash credit or investor money, my guess is that you're wholesaling deals. Is that correct? That is not correct. No. And what I meant by I'll be full-time three years this upcoming April. Well, Well, even then three years, congratulations then. (laughs) Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. So no, I'm not a wholesaler. Along with my family business, we buy and sell property on terms. So either lease purchase, owner financing, or subject to deals. And then we do have other creative ways of getting deals done, but those are usually our three main focus right there. All right. Say that a little bit slower for me so I can write it down. Lease purchase, owner finance, or subject to? Yep. Correct. Cool. Let's talk about each of them. Yeah, of course. I can always slow down for you. Sure, <laughs> no, I, thought no. you were, I thought you were from no. New England. Um. <laughs> well, I'm from Texas, so there's why I can't keep up that. No, I'm kidding. But I usually type pretty fast. So I heard him correctly. Lease purchase, owner finance, subject to. Let's talk about an example deal that you've done recently for each of these so we can be educated on the pros and cons for each. So lease purchase. Let's start with that. So lease purchase is just mean that you're agreeing upon a price with a seller today. Typically, we'll then take over any and all responsibilities of that property for a period of time. And then on or before a specific date, I will cash them out. So really simple way to keep this is you really have like a net lease where we put little to no money down, a net lease, and then a definitive date of purchase. Cool. And do you have an example of a deal that this happened on? Sure. I'd be more than happy to give you plenty of examples. So we can just keep it super simple though. So let's say if you agreed upon a price with a seller for say 200,000 and they had a $50,000 mortgage on the property, you would be locking in $150,000 worth of equity right from the beginning. And then I would then take over whatever their monthly payments are. So let's say PITI, so principal interest, taxes, and insurance is equal to $1,000 a month. We'll take over that. And then on or before a specific date, I will then pay off the remaining balance on the mortgage and give them their equity that we locked in at the beginning of $150,000. let us just do an example for each of the three, and then we'll talk about pros and cons for each and when you use them. So owner finance, pretty straightforward, but please just elaborate on what it is in an example. Sure. So we actually do things slightly different than maybe your audience is used to hearing. So when we do owner financing deals, again, we're coming in with little to no money down. We are typically tying up the property at full market value. We'll then close on it. The seller will hold the mortgage. These typically range from anywhere from say three to 10 years on average is our length of term. We then construct principal only payments. 
which will then be paying principal only payments with a balloon date on or before whatever end date we agree upon. And maybe an example of a deal you've done recently under owner finance? Sure. So recently we did a deal up here on the South Coast of Massachusetts. We closed on the house at 940000 We then constructed a deal where we were going to be paying the owner $2,500 per month that was coming directly off the note for 48 months. And then on or before that end date, we're then going to whatever has been credited, we'll then pay that balloon to that property. And then I think the important part to this too is, and we can get to it on how we actually make money and sell these. I'm only talking about how we're buying them right now, which may kind of full circle this around that why this makes sense on why we do this. But yeah, so that's $2,500 come off a month for I say 48 months. So then we would just pay off the remaining balloon date at that time. And then subject to? So a subject to deal typically will buy it subject to their existing loan. So I know you can combine owner financing and subject to deals, but just to keep it super simple on how we do it, typically we're buying a property subject to if they're selling basically for what they owe. So a seller that is, say the market is saying it's worth 250000 they owe 250000 we'll then just close on it. We typically pay just the closing costs and then we will take title, but the mortgage will stay in the seller's name. What then we'll do is we will have a long-term deal there where we're waiting for the principal to pay down and the market to increase. That way, eventually there's a spread and then we could sell the property. So the market has to appreciate in value in order for the subject to deal to work? The way we sell properties is we sell them through our rent-to-own program. So we actually are able to sell the property at a premium because somebody's going to need time. But ideally on a subject to deal, it's going to be a long-term deal. So that way we can have the principal on the mortgage pay down and then have the market appreciate and there'll be a nice spread. But even if the market stays relatively flat because we sell it through our rent-to-own program, we are going to be able to create a spread right off the bat. So now let's take a giant step back and look at the three different approaches, lease purchase, owner finance, and subject to. Assuming that we know how to do each of the three, which you just explained what they are and some examples, how do you know when to implement which one? Yeah, great question. So just a quick rule of thumb would be if there's a mortgage on the property and the seller has equity in it, it's simply going to be a lease purchase deal because we're going to take over the mortgage. If there's a free and clear property, that's when I would be implementing the owner financing, even though we may be able to do the lease purchase as well. But if it's free and clear, I'm always aiming for an owner financing deal. And then the subject to deal would make the most sense is if you're buying the property at roughly about what the seller owes and there's little to no equity in it. And how do you make money with the subject to? I know the component of what needs to happen because we just talked about that, but where's the big profit come into play for you on the subject to? Again, we'll sell it on a long-term rent to own so the profit, we actually make three paydays, and this is how we get paid on each one of these deals. So we're going to get paid from the non-refundable deposit that comes in from our tenant buyer. Our tenant buyer tends to be someone who is looking to become a homeowner. They just need some time in order to become mortgage ready. So someone who's self-employed or had a legitimate hiccup in their credit. So they'll come in with a non-refundable deposit, which is going to be above and beyond what we bought the property for. So we are able to sell it at a premium. Mm -hmm. Payday number two is going to be the difference between what we have to pay either the mortgage or the seller and what we can get for a monthly rent payment. 
And then pay number three is when the property actually gets cashed out and when the tenant buyer becomes a homeowner. And that will happen from the premium that we put on the house. So there's usually additional premium left over from the uh, original non-refundable deposit and the principal pay down on the property. Because if you kind of caught what I said before is we're locking in the seller's equity today. Obviously on the mortgage, it is going to pay down throughout the term, which we're going to get that benefit. So on the back end, when it sells, we get that premium as well. The rent payment that your rent to own person is paying, does that go towards their principal balance whenever they go to exercise their option to purchase? No, it does not. So the only thing that counts towards the actual purchase price is going to be their non-refundable deposit, which we usually collect anywhere from three to 10% down, but not every buyer is going to have, say, a 10% down. So what we'll do is... Throughout their lease term, we will schedule additional payments, which will count towards the purchase price. Because ideally, I want to get the buyer up to about 10% for them to be able to get into the best programs, not just any program to get a mortgage. And then also, I would love it if they didn't have to come to the table with additional money. And how long are the loans usually? Our typical time frame for a lease purchase is going to be anywhere from, say, 12 to 30 months. What percent of those don't exercise their option to purchase and just walk away? Yeah. So obviously there's a couple of things we can do to bring down that percentage, but I would say about 10%. That's pretty low. Yeah, we do. That's lower than I thought it would be. We have a very predictable process to put these buyers through and we constantly are innovating our process because I know there's a bunch of people out there that are, are doing rent to owns and they don't really care if the buyer ever cashes out. That's the opposite of how we approach this. We're a family business and we typically sell the families. So we're always looking to constantly innovate and increase that number of people that are successful. So we bring them through a very strict vetting process. We would never place anybody in a property that we didn't truly think was going to get to the finish line. And then we always make sure that they have legitimate steps in place that if they do A, B, and C, they will become a homeowner. Mm -hmm. When you have a property that you're acquiring through one of these three methods, you obviously need someone who does not have good credit, but can qualify, improve their credit, and be a customer of yours. So how do you attract those individuals? We're attracting those individuals by different marketing concepts that we do. It's roughly about 82% of the market or 80% of the market nationally that cannot walk into a bank and get a loan. So you're talking about a very significant piece of the market. It's definitely an overlooked niche in which we focus on. So finding buyers typically isn't the issue. Now, don't get me wrong. Out of that 80% that I was talking about, maybe 20% of those are real qualified people that we'd want to stick in the house. But as you can imagine, that market is just significantly bigger than someone that can actually walk into a bank and get a loan today. So finding buyers typically isn't the problem. Based on your experience as a real estate investor, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say don't sign personally. We've created this entire business around the fact that my father-in-law, Chris, actually got hit in 08. And now we just don't want that to ever happen again, especially with a up and down economy and a real estate market that can be volatile at times. So don't ever sign personally. Don't use your own credit if you don't have to either. And if you can avoid using other investors' money, certainly do your best to do so, even though I know that there are definitely positions where that is 100% valuable. But if you can avoid doing any of those, then you're taking away some major risks if the market does fall out again. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? 
I love it. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties, and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account that counts free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash best taxes. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com. Best ever book you've recently read? The Surrender Experiment. Oh, what's that about? It's Michael Singer, who's the CEO of WebMD. He talks a lot about meditation. I don't know if that's something that you're into, but it's all about surrendering to the universe. And instead of placing your own desires and wants and trying to control everything to almost surrender and allow things to happen around you and be more present. Best ever deal you've done? Best ever deal I've done is a property that we have in Connecticut where we did an owner financing deal, $1,000 principal, only payments on it, 48 month term had an additional one bedroom unit over the garage that we rented as well. So not only do we have a great lease purchase deal going on in the main house, but we also got some additional cash flow coming in from another piece of the property. And that should equal us well over six figures. But the best thing about that was that we were able to help out a seller that had a legitimate need that other people couldn't necessarily fulfill and had a wonderful family. So I'm just happy that everything's working out. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction recently? I always like to go back to my biggest mistake is definitely on a transaction, maybe not recently, but my first deal, which was almost three years ago, I didn't do enough vetting process. So as soon as we actually took over a property, we actually had to de-let it and it cost over $30,000. You had to what? De-led the property. De-led it. Okay. Yeah. I didn't do enough due diligence. That was a hundred percent my fault, but being young and early in the game, I was trying to prove myself. And sometimes you make mistakes when you're trying to go too fast. Best ever way you like to give back? I donate a part of each one of my checks to the Purple Project, which was created by Chris Heron, who used to be an ex-Boston Celtics. And it's all about helping people that are coming off of drugs. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? I'd love to give you our free Amazon best-selling book. And I mean free. I'm not asking you for shipping or handling. You can get that. It's uh, on your terms. It's actually by my father-in-law, Chris. It's at free. S-R-E-C-Book.com. Again, that's free. That stands for SmartRealEstateCoachBook.com. One more time, free, S-R-E-C-Book.com. Enjoy it. It's a best-selling Amazon book and tons and tons of great advice in there. Well, I enjoyed our conversation. Because I'm not doing subject to and lease purchases, I always need a refresher and you certainly gave me a refresher and perhaps some best of listeners who are focused on the single family home stuff, three really valuable tools to use whenever you're looking at opportunities. And I love that you talked about when each circumstance comes into play. So for lease purchase, if there's a mortgage on a property and the seller has equity, then usually a lease purchase. If it's free and clear, then usually owner financing And if you're buying it for what the seller owes on it, then usually subject to 
And I'm sure we could do an episode on each of the three in detail with the ins and outs of them. But you gave us a great overview, and I'm grateful for that. So appreciate your expertise. Appreciate you sharing your advice with us. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast, hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer, interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at investthispodcast.com.